The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Well, hello. Um, One of the transitions Bob talked about, there's there's a lot obviously behind numbers or slides. Um, this year in becoming uh, executive director of Coffee Oasis, um, I won't take a salary from the refuge. Um, and I think that's a really good transition. There's there's a lot that changes over the years as you grow as a church and you go from a house church to, um, to what we look like now. And um, there's gains and there's losses, right? One of the, the losses is instead of gathering in a circle and kind of there being more mutual open sharing you guys come and you watch preaching and uh, participate through note taking and then maybe you go to a community group and you, you participate that way but um, as we continue to grow uh, the heart um, of the church and as we've talked as elders is we do want to continue um, growing small as hopefully we grow by people coming to um, become followers of Jesus. Um, I think they'll figure out that it's locked. I think we're okay. Um, so, um, so with that, uh, I will be sharing preaching with Ibrahim and Jake. I'll be every other week, and then they'll be on on rotation with that. Um, we've decided instead of giving a like a salary to a, a pastor, we'll give a hundred dollars stipend to whoever's preaching just for that week. Um, I do think that's biblical. Don't muzzle the ox while it treads the grain. And, and there are those who are, are doing a lot of work to uh, to prepare those sermons. Um, but one of the questions is, you know, there was a big chunk of pie that was pastor's salary. What will happen to that? And we really do want to continue growing outward, um, growing in our, our expanses as um, giving to missionaries and sending missionaries and uh, participating in local uh, evangelism, and so, so some of that uh, we'll keep praying uh, for as elders. But a lot of that too is just the church going. Hey, th- these are opportunities. Um, if you bring an opportunity, and you're like, "Hey, I have a friend in Kazakhstan, and I want us to partner with them," I'll probably say, "Well, do you want to lead that effort?" Because. <laughs> If we're putting more out and not not hiring people to do that, it means how do we do that together as a church? And so I um, just want to open that up to you guys to pray about. Uh, don't expect all the good ideas to come from from the elders. I mean, you as a, a priest of the Most High God, right? There's a priesthood of all believers. are responsible to, to participate in that and just saying, man, God, how are you leading us as a refuge church? So I uh, invite you to do that. Yep. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, pray with me, and then we'll dive into our third sermon in Joshua. Father, again, we, we pray for hearts, minds, souls that listen, receive. Just this week reading in Mark that even though the gospel seed is spread generously 
not all receive it. Um, sometimes your word comes and it just doesn't take it all. Sometimes it takes and we're excited about it, but then we leave and we're, we're choked up by worries. And I pray especially for that, God. I, pray, I know there's an eagerness for everyone coming to hear your word and to receive it, and yet there are so many things that keep us from doing that. And so I pray just for your grace for us to receive and respond to you today. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's our intro to our sermon series. Here in the book of Joshua, we enter the middle of a story. God has called his people out of slavery and into freedom. They have left, but they have not yet arrived. The journey has been difficult, and many have been lost along the way. Now they stand on the threshold. The promise is before them, but what will it take to enter the promise? God has not stopped making promises. God has made an eternal promise to all those who are his children. What will it take to now experience that promise? That is our question. What will it take to experience and enjoy the promise of God? So, Joshua 3 and Joshua 4. Have you guys found yourself before in between two worlds? The, the world that you know, that you're familiar with, and the world that seems to be in front of you, and yet you don't necessarily know how to get there. A, a transition that many of us have gone through, uh, being between two worlds is that of being in high school, and then the great unknown that lays beyond that. High school is... <laughs> At least while you're in it, you feel this great expectation for it to be the best years of your life. You're young. You most likely have someone paying the bills over your head. You know, like, like you're not going, how do we keep the lights on? A lot of times that's taken care of. <laughs> and yet, as you prepare for life after high school, a life of responsibility, it can be terrifying. And so many actually try to stay in that world. The Uncle Ricos of the world. (laughs) If you've seen Napoleon Dynamite. Uncle Rico is this character in Napoleon Dynamite who has a sweet stash. And he keeps talking about, he goes, don't you just wish you can go back? And he has this obsession with who he was. In his glory days, his high school quarterback. And yet you can't go back. But what he never figured out how to do is to, is to move on. And so he was stuck ultimately in this place of, of complacency, which many of us can be. Well, Israel's experienced that. They've experienced the world of the desert. They were called out of Egypt. God brought them out with incredible, mighty acts. And, and now... They've wandered for 40 years and they are camping on the edge of what is to come, the Jordan River. It is the commencement walk of the children of Israel. So what does it look like to claim the promise? Joshua 3.1 goes like this. Early in the morning, Joshua and 
I love this. There's four times actually in the book of Joshua where this is how a chapter starts. Early in the morning, Joshua. So Joshua was a, he was a morning guy. Good for him. And, <laughs> and no, it's actually very impressive. Jesus was too. I feel like got to learn that. Um, and all the Israelites set out for Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and a Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. And then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And so what we find here, caught between two worlds, um, I love it in one, one uh, commentary I was reading, it, it called it the borderlands, as they're, as they're here in the borderlands waiting to enter. Ultimately what they're doing is they're, they're waiting for the way, waiting for the way, wondering what will Joshua's command be. And, and when I say waiting for the way, I want you to think of what the children of Israel have experienced to this point. They have experienced walking in circles, a very large circle, for 40 years. Over and over and over again. One long, dreadful deja vu. And I think, man, how many of us does that feel like our lives? I mean, just thinking maybe over the last year, last week, week after week after week, our lives can oftentimes feel in that cycle, in that circle. And, and the commencement walk, the, the journey out of it, is something that is completely new. If you, if you look down here in verse 4, it says, Then you will know which way to go since you have never been that way before. Oftentimes, we're stuck in this cycle. We're stuck in a circle of complacency because the way God is calling us or the way that, that we know we should go is just a way that just we've never been before. It's scary. It's completely unknown. But they are being called to not just go, but to follow. This is beautiful. In, in verse 3, right, it says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priesthood carrying it, you will move out from your position. So they're being called to follow the, the Ark of the Lord. Now, the Ark of the Lord was this, this large golden chest with some, some angels on top of it, and they knew that the, that represented the, the glory and the greatness of God. Not that it was God, but they, they knew that where it went that God was leading in that way, in it held the law of Moses. Um, but they took their cues from where that was. And actually, if you read, as they camped, when the people would camp, all the tribes would camp around the ark, all facing it. 
They knew that was a representative of the glory and the greatness of God. And so they were meant simply to follow. And multiple times throughout our reading, it, it defines this as the ark of the Lord, the Lord who is Lord of, of heaven and earth. He would go before him and they would follow him, but not too close. 900 meters, that's about 2,000 cubits. That's a half mile. So you have this group of people, the people of Israel, probably over a million people, and they are all watching God take them in a new direction, watching God go before them, but, but not, not too close. They are meant to see this and I, I really think this is what I meant. They were meant to see this as a grace, not a right. They weren't going on charging before God. God would go before him. But God who they follow is a holy God. It is incredible what happens when people touch the ark of God. They're just gone. And so they're meant just to watch God. Watch God as he goes before them and follow at a safe distance. And, and Joshua telling them how to follow. If we go on to the next slide, uh, here in verse five, he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow morning, the Lord will do amazing things. As we see God go before us and and Joshua simply says, consecrate yourselves. What he's saying um, is set yourselves apart. And the way you do that in Exodus 19 is just wash up. Like wash your clothes, wash your body, wash. Why? It's the strangest thing. Get ready to move out, so go take a shower. And what God is saying in this is very simple. With with all this imagery, all this symbolism, it really is very simple. And it's simply saying, the person you have been is not the person you will be on the other side. Get ready to cross the river, because if you go as you are, you're going to pollute the land. Right? If you go to take the land but stay as you are, you're going to bring the desert into the good land. Consecrate yourselves and prepare yourself to follow. The person you will be is not the person you have been. And that's what we want, right? As, when, we, when we think of breaking the cycle of stubborn sin or, or things in our life that we, just, we are so frustrated that they keep with us, and we, we keep in this repetitive cycle, and we go, man, if only I could, I could take a new path. How terrible would it be to take that path and just go, and I'm just still that person. No, follow God and leave what you were behind. And this is ultimately a walk of faith. In verse 8, it says, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And if we keep going, it describes what this walk of faith looks like. Joshua says to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gerishites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flow downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. 
So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest carried the Ark, reached the Jordan River, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah. That is, the Dead Sea was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. This is the walk of faith. I absolutely love this. As I, as I imagine this scenario where, where you have a, a, probably over a million people watching four or more guys carry, carry this Ark of Covenant one step at a time, approaching the Jordan River at flood stage, which means the Jordan River isn't, it's typical maybe 100 feet, it's up to maybe a mile wide. And they're watching one step at a time. Imagine how that faith feels. One step at a time. Knowing that when their toes touch the water, God, the Lord of heaven and earth, is going to show up in an impossible way. Now, this is incredible. This is incredible because think of how often we wait for a natural way to present itself to break out of the cycle or to move on or do what God's calling us to. We, we wait for something that appears possible, and yet God is doing something intentionally impossible. Impossible for a million people to cross a mile-wide river, impossible, and yet here they are taking one step at a time of faith. But this is, this is incredible, but not of blind faith. Because multiple times in this, it says the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. What is it saying there? It's saying, if God made the heavens and the earth and everything in them, do you think a river can stop him? Right? Yeah, how often are we like, yeah, he made the earth, but this river is real long. Right, this, is, like, this river? Do you know that rivers aren't lakes? Like, you know, and, and there's all these things. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that, but he is the Lord of heaven and earth. And think about this. Think of what's going on in the priest's mind as they are like sleeping this off the night before and they're like, okay. And they're probably like, God, can't you just, can't we just like, we'll see the river and it's already dry. You can do that, can't you? So why did he say, your toes have to touch the water? How frustrating can God be, right? Like how much better would it be if they got to the Red Sea and just walked through? Why did God have to wait for the, army of Egypt to be behind them. And they're like, we're going to die. God brought us here just to kill us. And now we get to the Jordan River. And you're like, why couldn't they just walk up and it's already a dry riverbed? And we're like, God, we're still impressed. This was a lot. Thank you. You didn't have to test our faith. (laughs) How often is our lives like that? God is calling us to something impossible, and he says, now I need you to touch your toes to the water. And we're like, can't you just take care of it? You know? Like, I just don't want to have to participate. 
And, and that, that is this story. So the promise that they are meant to enter requires a walk of faith. And as their toes touch the water, the miracle happens. And God preparing them for this, um, I'll just kind of tell this story that has happened from here because I don't want to keep you too long. It's very simple what happens is, is what God has told the people of Israel. He says, I want you to take uh, 12 men, one from each tribe, and I want each of them to grab a, a boulder from the riverbed. And, and when you guys get to Gilgal, where you're going to camp, I want them to build a memorial. I want them to build a, a witness. In the Bible, we call these Ebenezer's, right? The song, Here I Raise My Ebenezer. I want you to make a, a place of remembrance. Now, the story is really interesting the way it's told because Joshua does that, but he goes beyond that. And it's something that's not explained here in the text, um, why Joshua does it. But he has 12 men carry boulders to their camp. But he also has 12 carry boulders. And where the priests are in the middle of the riverbed, he has them build a monument there to be buried by the river. He builds two, even when God just says build one. And oftentimes in the Bible, when something kind of goes rogue, God's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But, but this doesn't happen. And we just, it's never explained why. And, and no one, you can read, read commentary after commentary after commentary, and no one has an agreement. Even some people are like, I don't think it happened. You're like, no, it's like really plain that there, there is a buried monument of remembrance and there is a monument of remembrance in the camp for them to see. And so I, I was just wondering, why? God, why would you have a visible and an invisible one buried by the river? And, and I think this is the case. I think... I think we have monuments that we can see, right? We build them. We build statues. We build churches. We build all these things. People get words tattooed on them. We have all these things that remind us visibly of what God has done. Piles of rock. But do those piles of rock convince anyone, especially the doubter or the unbeliever, that God is who he says he is? History will show us that, that just because they had those 12 stones in Gilgal and they could look at them for remembering who God was, they would still go astray. Now, I want you to think of that pile of rock and I want you to think of this big pile of rock we call planet Earth. And I want you to think of people looking at this rock and some people look at that rock, planet Earth, and they're like, wow, look what God has done. And other people... Look at this pile of rock and they're like, man, it's a pile of rock. And as some would continue looking at the pile of rock at Gilgal and go, God did this, other people in the future would go and they'd just say it's a pile of rock. And that's what happens with visible witnesses. Still people don't believe them. But the invisible witness cannot be touched. I think this is powerful I think God does the same thing in our lives. I think there's visible things in our life, a, a cabin built for my parents that we can go, man, look, that is a witness of the Refuge Church just loving my dad and just saying, we want to bless you. 150 years from now, we don't know. That cabin will still be there. It is an amazing cabin. What will people know? I don't know. 
I want you to think, though, of the visible witnesses that, that God makes in our lives and the ones that I want to encourage you to protect. And these are the ones that people will say you're crazy for. Invisible witnesses, that, and in trying to explain them, you might use words you never thought you'd use. You've got to take my word for it. Something God has done, and it is imprinted on your heart and imprinted on your soul. It is buried underneath the Jordan River. And no one's going to touch it because no one's going to swim down to the bottom of the Jordan River. <laughs> you know? Those invisible witnesses that nothing can touch. And yet God has set himself up a place for cherishing in our own souls. And these invisible witnesses are powerful. And I think even in the Jordan River and the memory that it, it draws, I think that invisible witness can can most powerful be seen in the songs that the African-American slaves would sing as they longed for freedom. If you look up songs about the Jordan River, there are so many songs by those who were enslaved cruelly in America. These songs represent the border between slavery and freedom. That's what the Jordan River meant crossing into a land where they finally had their own place and they were a people and they weren't under a country that would oppress them, but they were part of a country. That's what the Jordan River meant for them. And when they sang, they sang with all the faith of walking up to touch their toes in the water, that it was theirs, even though it might not yet be visible. This powerful symbol of the Jordan River. And so as we think about that, I, I want us to think about in our lives, do you find yourself caught between two worlds? Do you find yourself maybe in a cycle and maybe is God calling you to touch your toes to the water? To, to claim this promise by faith. And, and we see this. We see Jesus himself entering the Jordan River to be baptized, to relate with our weakness in every way. We see Jesus baptized later by death, taking our sins on him and now inviting us to cross that river ourselves in faith, knowing that he's gone before us and that life, life eternal can be ours. This is a powerful story and is not one that's bound to geography. That's what's so powerful about it. It's not bound by a river anymore in Israel. But right now, God is still giving us that invitation. And, and I want you to consider this, the promise before you that God is calling you to participate in. And what does it look like for you to approach? <laughs> that when you touch your toes in that water, something supernatural and impossible might happen. Let's pray. God, I, I pray that you will give us a, your vision, a supernatural, amazing vision of the land that you're calling us to, of the promise that is before us. Freedom from slavery, freedom from oppression, life eternal. And this is ours by faith. 
I know you've prepared that for us. You invite us. But the thought of breaking the cycle or this new way can be so terrifying. Faith can be so terrifying. So Father, I pray that uh, again today, just that, that those here would give us courage by your spirit to approach you, to join you, to walk by faith. Put our faith in Jesus. He, although he was perfect, was baptized in the Jordan River to show us that he is the way to that eternal promise. God, we, we just, I pray that we will understand and not just understand, but just grab a hold of that life eternal today. We praise in Jesus' name, amen.